0: So hello, everyone. Welcome to the NP studio. Uh, we have another really exciting guest in the studio with us today. This time, someone from the Web3 and Metaverse space, which we all have been hearing a lot about these days. So um, please welcome you know, Matt Alston in the studio. Hi, Matt. Um, just to say a little bit about Matt. So Matt currently is, uh, along with his other co-founder, Melissa, has started um, this company called Bonfire. Um, it's an NFT startup that empowers creative communities through easy-to-use tools powered by the social token and nfts so essentially bridging the gap between nfts and social media and social networks which is pretty cool so we're going to talk a lot about that Um, just to shed a little bit of light on matt's past experiences he has also been um you know a fellow for on deck and for kleiner Perkins, you know really up and coming in in the vc and you know just startup accelerator space he's also worked for two years um, as a product manager at uber and worked before that at Goldman Sachs as a software engineer, so it brings with him a wealth of experiences um, that he is now used to pivot to the Web3 space. Matt, why Web3 and and what made you gravitate towards um, like you know moving moving on from Web2 and and onto Web3 now? And and if you could just share a little bit about uh, um, like the space in general and what Bonfire is doing in it? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat, and you uh, you pretty much hit all of the highlights of. My background and uh, uh, you know the experiences that led me to Web3, so I can maybe just talk a little bit more about yeah my decision and and why I entered the Web3 sphere. Um, and yeah, I'll definitely touch on like a little bit about what you know Bonfire is and in our thesis around it. Um, I'll kind of weave that in there as well, but. Um I met Melissa, my co- founder um at Duke uh, as freshman, and so we've been friends nine going on ten years now. um we both studied c s and and Mel was actually the one who got into web three um, okay. really while we were still on campus so twenty fifteen uh, she started the the blockchain lab on campus um and i I you know the community is still running and it helps bring educational resources around web three to to um to Duke's campus, as well as like helps projects um, get off the ground uh, via funding, and then through that experience, I think I became exposed to what Web three was. I you know read the Bitcoin white paper and uh, learned a little bit about the technology just because Mel was uh, so excited about it. And then I actually you know went into Web two product management. I joined Uber as you mentioned, um, and meanwhile Melissa joined Coinbase um, and was there. Until uh, leaving to start a company with me, so she's been in the in the Web three uh, realm for a while now, and I am a recent entrant and kind of joined uh, about a year ago. But really, what I saw um, was within Web two. I was working on rider um, lo- loyalty and rewards at Uber, and so I was working on helping a company like Uber identify and reward their most valuable customers. Um, you know, create these incentive um, mechanisms where you know, the most valuable customers to Uber's business were also, like, rewarded by Uber's platform and given a differentiated experience. Um, and I think through that experience, I learned a lot of just about how loyalty and rewards and, you know, these incentives and these digital currencies, although, um, you know, much weaker than the the Web3 version, um, I just spent a lot of time thinking about the problem that brands face and how they can solve it using these these systems of rewards. And when I saw that Web3 was kind of um, starting to veer into the mainstream um, and things like social tokens and NFTs were were really bringing on like a broad appeal to the space where before it tended to be, um, you know, really DeFi uh, primitives and decentralized finance use cases that were dominating um, the conversation in Web3. It felt like with these new more social assets um it was going to be this really renaissance for creators for community builders for brands for anyone who is you know building or cultivating a community online um i felt like these new tools were going to help them uh you know build these communities in a way that allowed them to engage directly with their fans without needing to essentially pay rent to uh the social networks and really own a lot more of their upside and so That's what got me really excited. Um, I saw Web3 moving into uh, culture and creators and communities. Um, And I felt like via my experience on rewards, I had an interesting perspective to bring to to this problem set. So with Bonfire, we're now basically building um, tools to enable greater utility around social tokens and NFTs. Um, I think it's a little bit reductive to, you know, to call it a, a rewards program um, around mm-hmm. these creators and, and based on these assets. But I do think there are some parallels there in terms of helping a creator identify who their, you know, true fans are um, and own that relationship. And then by proxy, like own the upside of the value that gets created through that relationship.
0: Definitely. Um, that's that's pretty great. And, you know... Um, it's it's interesting to see because I you know I'm personally invested in, in NFTs and um looking at space boom in in the recent times and and the rapidity with which that's happening um that's that's quite impressive and so the way in which I see this is that you're building a layer on top of um just the idea that you can have something on chain and in the Web three spectrum to more of a community sharing aspect and and something that allows you to you know in some form of a way earn rewards for you know being a loyal follower of a particular person, right? And then like, sort of like, you know, build up on that space. Um, That's pretty cool. Um, Before we dive into more of the specifics, could you just Um, share just a little bit about what Web3 is like, like, you know, because I've met so many people who um, share their misconceptions about the space or who don't know more about it and who just view as, you know, some of them even view NFTs as just something which is not as utilitarian as we, you know, both think it is. So maybe if you could just clear out some air about that and also just fundamentally explain, you know, what, what Web3 is, what's the space looking like right now and how do NFTs sort of like fit into that jigsaw puzzle of the next revolution on the internet?
1: yeah well so I think that the answers to these questions are still you know being answered in real time but um but yeah i can I can do my best at answering a few of those questions, and so I think one is that web three and in crypto um or blockchain technology, I think are related and, and you know, somewhat overlapping, but they also are oftentimes used synonymously. And I do think that Web3 is um, a little broader than just blockchain and crypto technology. I think that it, the new technology is a major enabling factor to um, allowing for a world where Web3 can exist and thrive. Um, but I also think that Web3 is, you know, it's part crypto, but as you mentioned earlier, it also kind of touches these ideas of like, you know, metaverse and these more immersive um, experiences, Um, it is partially like a technical innovation. But um, if you look under the hood today, a lot of Web3 is still, you know, running on social contracts and it's still just about like, you know, human coordination and and helping people like um, effectively collaborate or coordinate with one another. Um, and some of that can happen on chain via, the, you know, a smart contract, but a lot of it still is just about dealing with people. And um, I think that you know, Web three is part of the technology, but it's also a big part of it's the values, the kind of ideology, and this idea that in Web two or kind of throughout the history of the internet, things started fairly open and decentralized. And then in the last ten years, we've seen um, this major pendulum swing to where there's like five platforms, five networks that that really own the internet and they like own yes. at least end user or consumer attention. Um, by nature of owning the attention and the engagement, they also have total leverage over the economics in the system. And they basically choose how to share that. And we've seen that, you know, they're not generous. Uh, they're not like generous uh, leaders and not benevolent, benevolent dictators. They tend to, you know, extract more value than they create, or maybe than is warranted. And so I think that Web3 is like a reaction to that. Um, it's enabled by blockchain technology. Um, it allows for something like a social token um, or an NFT to exist. And then I think there's still a lot of questions being answered around, okay, you no, know, these are new tools. These tools are flexible and programmable like, how should they be used? Like, how can a creator best use NFTs to build a community in a way that, you know, gives them independence and enables their creative freedom? So I think that, like, we are very focused on the utility of the assets. And by that, I just mean, um, we're not helping, like, mint new tokens. And, you know, we're also not a marketplace where we're trying to create liquidity for tokens. We're really focused on, like, earning tokens, using tokens, like what is the value to a collector um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the relationship that they can have with the creator, um, which is something that is hard to achieve in Web2. So I think to to put one concrete example to it, because I know it's very high level. um, We work with a lot of musicians and, you know, as a as a musical artist, you put up your content on um, streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, and you have no idea who, you know, your biggest streamers are or your biggest fans based on the streaming data. That, like, data is entirely controlled via Apple Music and Spotify. Um, And then you go on a tour and you basically sell concert tickets to your fans. And that data, like, you know, who's attending every concert, that's controlled by Ticketmaster and Live Nation and, like, you know, the other ticketing platforms. And so as a creator, you, like, every Web2 company is using data as sort of their strategic advantage. Um, it's how they kind of create these systems of network effects and lock in. And so they don't share that data with the creator. And as the creator, that means you're at the whims of those platforms. Um, and so I think NFTs and social tokens offer a, a, another way. Um, and I think a more equitable distribution of value. Um, but I think we're still learning how to actually best use them, uh, to achieve those ends.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, Um, you know, like I'm, I'm super, like I'm a, I'm pretty bullish on the space, but I'm also so happy as to what the reaction is, you you know, rightly called web three to be is to the web two movement, which, you know, implicitly just took over the internet and, you know, sort of compartmentalize it into these five big powerhouses and also a few other companies Um, especially you know with nfts and other utility tokens as well i mean just to speak from personal experience you know i have I have so many friends who tell me that oh you know spotify released this um uh, just because you were talking about musical artists you know they release this thing at the end of every year where, when they share stats with you as to your you know what you've listened to and sometimes they show that okay i, I was let's say the top 1% of Travis Scott's listeners, uh, that the artists themselves, they never know of it. And so they can't incentivize that relation to even like pay their respects to you as a follower and also to cultivate some 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 form of a meaningful relationship. Some as to what the utility these tokens are deriving as they're not just a way to, earn money as what nfts are currently perceived to be so so many people use them mint flip make money and then use that to buy another one um, it just goes beyond that and i think that's another interesting space to talk about so um, you know fred um, fred ersham who uh, founded coinbase and who's also now the founder of the uh, vc fund paradigm came to duke a few days ago and i had the pleasure of talking with him and we were talking about what utility do tokens, NFTs, other tangible manifestations of blockchain um, have other than purely a monetary perspective, right? And I think Bonfire is hitting the nail hard on that. So could you comment more on like what what social utility, not only through Bonfire, but in let's say the next 5-10 years, like where do you see the future in having an incentive beyond just money collection or monetary value these digital assets have? And why would I, let's say, a simple question, a very redundant one is, why would I, let's say, invest in the metaverse or invest in these tokens as opposed to digital tangible assets? Like, what's wh- why would I do that as a user? And, you know, what, what that looks like in the future.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think um, even the framing of the question, I, I think that is like one lens, which is, you know, why would I invest in these assets? But even like the term investment, like implies that um, it is a asset that, I hope to appreciate in value, and like I am thinking of it in terms of um, the monetary potential benefits that they um, can provide. And I think that that's like one big lens with which to view NFTs and social tokens. Um, but I think that that's just one dimension. And I think there's some other dimensions which um, are a lot earlier in being experimented with. Um, I think utility is kind of you know a big one there, um, and I think. Um, To answer your question more head on, I think that a lot of utility is really going to come down to um, privileged access of scarce goods or scarce um, value. And so what I mean by that is, and and this is also like a sort of foundational principle of rewards programs, but if I'm a creator, um, we all know that like content is inherently abundant. It's like extremely hard to actually, uh, you know, paywall or token gate content in a way that it can't be consumed um and it just is a result of the fact that like it's infinitely replicable um you know the internet is amazing at distributing information packets cheaply and quickly and so um it's almost impossible to like truly keep content um you know as something that's scarce but i also think that there are lots of things that are kind of around and ancillary to the content, which are inherently scarce and which consumers are willing to pay for. And so an example there would be, you know, if I'm a musician, my song, like just listening to the song, well, that's almost always going to be free or close to free. Um, And and I think it's proven hard to monetize that. Um, But I think that the community of like diehard supporters of a musician or of a song, um, like that's inherently scarce. And I think holding a social token or holding an NFT and getting access to that inner community or that inner circle, I think that's something that's really, really valuable to the fans of a creator. Um, Merch is another thing that like is inherently scarce. Like, you know, there is a marginal cost to reproduce it and thus there is inherent scarcity there. And so like making that thing that's desirable to your fans and then allocating it to your token holders, like that is a way that you can reward them in a way that's like authentic, right? Because it's not like artificial scarcity. It's like it's real scarcity. You really are just allocating um, something scarce to your biggest supporters. Um, I think concerts and you know physical events is another one. And so traditionally, you've already found that musicians, you know, the content doesn't really make a lot of money for them, typically. Um, like streaming revenues are typically not um enough to to feed an artist, but then they go monetize the ancillary value um, of things that are scarce, the concerts, the merch, the community, the like, you know, the access to them, the ability to like give them a call or shoot them a text or you know be on a a Zoom call. And so I think that NFTs are going to really monetize that layer of, of things that are inherently scarce within the orbit of a creator or a brand. And I think that right now, every creator and every brand is is essentially needing to rent access to their own fans from platforms like, you know, YouTube and, and Facebook and the like. And so I think the ability to even understand who your true fans are and then access them, um, I think that's already a really, really big unlock. Um, and so I think in addition to just investing in these Web3 assets, I think a lot of people will, you know, become token holders via earning. Um, tokens through engaging with their like favorite creator or engaging with a brand that they care a lot about. And then the reason that that asset will have value to them is because of the utility it unlocks. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot when it comes to just access status um, and and community that people are really willing to pay for and um, trying to like, you know, paywall content is probably not the most fruitful avenue for a creator. But making that content freely available and then like monetizing the um, scarce goods that get created around that content, I think that's like a really powerful idea and one that like we're very much investing in at
0: Bonfire. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, you know, some great takeaways from that, especially I love the idea of quantifying the intangibles, you know, something such so intangible as utility, you know, how do you um, make sure that both the parties get, you know, benefit from that and um, how they can use that as a foundation on which to cultivate a better relationship. Um, That's great. So, you know, taking, uh, zooming out a bit on this whole decentralized space and, you know, the reason why you're releasing Bonfire on Web3 and not Web2 because, you know, for instance, and we can talk later about like companies like Cameo and others as well who are operating in this space, but they're primarily Web2 natives. Um, So, the, the rationale here is decentralization, right? So a very popular example. Um, And since, you know, this this coincidentally, um you know, ties in well with your past experiences as well, as well with Uber, uh, there's this like common notion floating around for people who maybe understand decentralization at just like a, you know, thousand foot overview. So they say that, oh, hypothetically, if let's say Uber was completely decentralized or if it was run by something called a DAO, then you would have, you know, like a better, more efficient system because there wouldn't be any third party which would get a certain chunk of a particular ride cost. It would purely be divided between the rider and and the driver. So could you maybe break down that thought as to how decentralization can even somehow um morph the web2 world into web3 or or whether it is like you know whether it is a pathway onto which web2 companies will march on to go to web3 or whether it is an entirely new thing that will disrupt everything that is web2 and just you know usher the world into web3 where do you see decentralization playing into this whole arena arena and especially with bonfire as well
1: yeah so i think that decentralization um to me, is a means to an end. Um, like the goal is not to become maximally decentralized. Um, the goal is to achieve like more equitable value. Well, to enable more value creation, and then to um, enable more equitable value distribution. Um, and for us, you know, we care about creators, communities, brands, um, etc. But you know, I think across Web three, like that's really the end. The end goal is a system that doesn't result in you know winner take all dynamics and these like vastly kind of power law um, um, inequitable distributions of value and so i think of like decentralization as being a important um almost like accountability mechanism against somebody exerting too much control over the system and extracting too much value um and so yeah, I think that's like one lens that's just like sort of important to, to caveat with up front. And then I think when it comes to like Web 2 versus Web 3, so I if I had to make a prediction, I don't think that like Web 3 disrupts Web 2 in the sense that like, you know, Web 2 ceases to exist and everything moves to Web 3. I sort of think of them as complementary in like different layers where um, there's trade-offs to the Web 2 approach and then there's trade-offs to the Web 3 approach. And I think that they can complement each other pretty well. So if you like look at what Web2 did really well, it's like they built great products that are free to use and which like touch everyone in the world almost. Like It's kind of insane the amount of reach and ubiquity that they have. And um, they do, I mean, at some point they were creating a lot of value, I think, um, in terms of connecting people around the globe. Um, and the fact that like, you know, people always joke on Twitter, like, I can't believe this product is free. Because it is kind of insane the access you get to like experts in every category and the amount of like content and like you get you know connected with new people like we've made hires we've taken venture investments like we've um we've found like contributors and partnerships all through twitter and it's like we don't pay for that wow um so i think like on the one hand That's amazing. um web2 social yeah it's like on the one hand they built these like great products that are, are free to use as a consumer um, and that's because you know advertisements are are what's creating and driving the value on the back end, and that's a little more invisible to the user. um and so I think like the the problem with web two is not that ads are all bad or that everything in you know the web two centralized approach is all bad. It's just that right now that's the only option and yeah. it's it's too limiting, it's too restrictive, and it means that even if I am the biggest fan of a creator. There really isn't a good way for me to support that person beyond like tipping them maybe on a youtube live stream or even patreon it might be you know two dollars or five dollars or ten dollars a month but like what if i want to like you know help partially fund their next project and then i want also some exposure to like the potential financial upside but even if you know there is no upside it just feels good to support an artist and to you know become a patron of that person And also like, it's probably going to like bring me closer in terms of relationship to that creator. Like these are things that there is clear demand for, um, but you can't really tap into that in Web2. And so I think it's just a market inefficiency that right now, all of Web2 is basically propped up on one business model, which is a very lowest common denominator kind of model. Um, And so I think Web3 adds this additional layer of scarcity, this additional layer of like being able to identify like, you know, those super fans, the 100 true fans, a thousand true fans, and then engage with them in a way that, you know, can't be exploited down the line by platforms. So I really think of it as like Web2 is probably going to continue to be the best place for discovery, the best place for top of funnel, like, you know, growing your audience, Uh but maybe the bottom of that funnel instead of the web two creator monetization tools, maybe that really is is where web three comes in. And like really being the place where you interact with your super fans and you have ownership and upside over that value that gets created in, uh, like within that community. Uh-huh. And maybe that's sort of the model long term is like web two is you know your top of funnel and web three is your bottom of funnel. And I think in that way they actually do a lot to complement each other and you you would want both. Um, yeah. And so I don't think that Web three is ever going to compete with Web two on, like you know, speed, scalability, uh-huh. like as elegant of a product experience, because those are things that come with centralization necessarily. Um, but I do think that it offers some unique value props which Web two can't touch it on, and I think that's where like Web three is really going to win.
0: Wow, um, I love the the idea of like the bottom up approach that you know Web three will offer and sort of like fit into this jigsaw puzzle as opposed to completely destroy it and then build a new one um because that's what web 2 did with web one right like with tim Berners lee coming into the picture um yeah that's that's great so i like this layered approach right it's almost like we are using as you said the market inefficiencies from a previous model and then adding on to what we have is web 3 and then maybe who knows you know that could be web 4 web 5 just going on and on with as many inefficiencies as we can exploit in a certain industry um that's pretty cool um now moving on from that there are Maybe two issues that I wanted um, to discuss with you, and and maybe take your. Um... Mm-hmm. Insights on that. So it's a by part, you know, sort of a, an opinion or not an opinion, just like a thought that I have. So a there's a lot of talk in the space about anonymity, right? Web3 has also done something mm-hmm. interesting with the metaverse and also other products is that you can have multiple identities. And uh, well, yes, you can secure some of them and also verify them. But it's essentially, you know, you can be who you want in the metaverse. You can be who you want in Web3, right? So and there are a few drawbacks with that as well, because there could be a loss of identity. There could be some malintent with which you approach that, even with ownership of assets on on a digital platform. Where do you view that space as being, and maybe how would you remove those efficiencies? That's part A, and then part B is somewhat different. But um, it's like you know, the, the the principle of economics states that. Uh, any particular person will always operate uh, operate in their best interest and they always want to maximize their welfare, right? So my incentive, if I have a particular company, is to like strive for more control so that I can become bigger, better, faster, cheaper. Um, But then Web3 is bringing in this new paradigm, this new school of thought, stating that now it's not like that. Now it's more like you're building uh, all of that, but at the end, you're not at the center of that attention. So w- would that change the incentive structure of someone? Let's say even with, you, you, know, you know, building Bonfire, let's say Bonfire reaches everyone in the world and everyone's using it. Like, how do you see yourself being a part of that process? Because as an inherent like founder or a person, like you want your personal brand to also be a part of that process, which Web2 gives you with centralization. But Web3, I don't know how that does. So maybe I'm not thinking about the entire big picture, but yeah, if you could throw light on both these things, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that in, there's a lot of um, ideas in web three, where you kind of do feel this tension between like, you're getting pulled in a couple different directions. Um, And privacy and anonymity is one of those to me, where, um, on the one hand, you know, anyone can create a wallet, there are no gatekeepers to becoming a participant in web three and you can you know have self-sovereign identity you can self-custody all your own assets you can if you're careful and paying um paying kind of mind to to best practices around privacy you can make it um you know anonymous your activity on chain or at least pseudonymous um and i think like that's like a a really important idea um, and was definitely part of kind of the values that drove the the Web3 movement to begin with. But then I think more recently you see this explosion of like NFTs and NFTs add this interesting like new dimension where an NFT is about identity, about belonging, about community, about status. All of those things benefit from, you know, in identity. Um, And so it's actually you do see anonymous, you know, NFT collectors, um, but they do still have kind of that brand that they've created, which is like what accrues status for them. But for a lot of people, like, you know, the reason they make their NFT, their profile picture is because they want to associate that NFT with their identity. Um, And so clearly, that is like, you know, a little bit antithetical to the idea of like, anonymity. So I think like, Web3 just broadens the spectrum and it gives users control. So like if I want to operate in a way that is, you know, anonymous or pseudonymous and I want to conceal my identity, like that is an option that's available to me. And if I want to connect my real world identity with a wallet address and, you know, buy an ENS name um, or start collecting NFTs, and I want the status or the benefits of that NFT to accrue back to my real world identity, that's also an option for me yeah. um and then i think the last component is you know web 3 is now web 3 is really like this horizontal layer i feel like it's like this new substrate of the internet yeah. um and it's probably always going to be a challenge to like come up with simple rules that apply to all of web 3. so i think like within more of a DeFi context um a lot more of the activities happening on chain like the Engagement, the actions, the events, like everything that you need, is a little bit more self-contained to um, a, a protocol um, because you're primarily talking about like the movement of assets around it, and that doesn't really require identity um, in the same way that like building a community of superfans does. Where if you want to build a community of superfans, it is actually kind of important. A lot of what I've talked about is identifying and rewarding, you know, your biggest supporters, your true fans, like identifying them actually is a pretty big part of the like equation there. <laughs> um, cause you yeah. can't really give them like a differentiated experience or perks and benefits if you don't know who they are. Um, and it's actually a big issue right now is creators who are doing like NFT drops and then they want to reach out to their collectors to offer them something like of unique value, but they don't know how to reach them. Um, and so I think that's one part. And then also like communities are like just fundamentally, I think, built on this idea of like, you know, trust. And, um, I mean, they're just tribal in nature and it's much easier to build trust when you do have identity in the mix. So I think certain categories within web three value different things when it comes to like the anonymity spectrum. Um, and then I think kind of related, it's kind of related to my first point, but for the second question, I'm like, you know, sharing the value and like, I guess the trade-off between if I'm founder of a centralized company, then I'm going to own more of the upside um, and I'm sharing more of that upside if I choose to go more of a decentralized route. Um, And I think there's the, I mean, there is the rational kind of view as a Web3 founder, which is like the reason why you're doing that is like, to grow the pie, so you're basically saying I'm going to share ownership and financial upside with all the people who make this val who make this network valuable, and I think that by doing so, I will own a smaller piece of a bigger pie because right. you know we understand how incentives will drive consumer behavior and people are going to be a lot more you know loyal if we're able to share upside with them um yeah. and i think that's not a new idea it's like all of uh, venture capital it's like you're selling upside um but you believe that it's because you know you're getting a smaller piece of a bigger pie you're procuring like valuable resources that you need to build a company um, and you are making the bet that even if you're giving away more of the upside it will ultimately pay off in the long run because you know mm-hmm. you will have more total value i think the same logic does apply here where like a critical resource for products um, is users (laughs) Um, and especially products that depend on network effects. Like it's critically important that you solve the cold start problem at the beginning Um, and the product gets more valuable the more people use it. And so in a way you're, again, you're trading upside, but this time you're sharing it with your users instead of investors. And one reason you might do that rationally from, you know, even if you're gonna accept that, this like selfish motive um you know econ uh principle applies like you can still make an argument that it's it's rational to do that because you know you're growing the pie for everyone and you'll have a smaller piece of a bigger pie and maybe that actually still is like a, a net positive outcome but also i think we just know like i mean the whole industry of econ also does understand that you know people don't always act rationally and in their own best interest. Um, There is a ton of, you know, goodwill and social contracts and all sorts of, like, predictably irrational ways that that consumers act as well. So I think there's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I do think that there's, like, um, if you take that approach and then you encode that in a smart contract where it's immutable and you, like, can't change it, Like, that's like a pretty, um, I think, risky assumption to make is that everyone's going to be maximizing their own good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So kind of like analogizing on the other way around. Like, um, you can't assume that everyone will be doing that. And so all Web3 is doing, um, as you rightly said, is broadening that spectrum. So providing more alternatives rather than more, you know, compulsions for people to engage with, which are new and that they have to learn. Um, uh, Even your point about growing the pie, that is... um, pretty rational, you know, even from an economic mindset. I think Elon um, shared his thoughts on this on another podcast. I think it was one with Lex Friedman, and he said that um, our goals as like, first principle creators and engineers should be to always grow the pie because um, not growing the pie would mean that we are selfish. We're selfish means that we want to become better at the expense of someone else not becoming better and that's not how this entire concept of you know humanitarian progress works and so um i like that especially the idea of like selling upside and then like working on that potential positive return um with with incentivizing the concepts and the fundamentals of web 3 that's pretty cool to me um now this is a more of a you know kind of a romanticized question and just i want to hear your thoughts on this is pretty out there um what you you talked a lot about trust, right, and how trust is the is the fundamental um, sort of one of the building bricks, right, of um, of Web three. Um, using like trust, like where do you see, like, what gives you hope for Web3 and, and in the next like coming years? I don't mean the near future, because right now everyone's talking about Web3. But like, do, is trust an important part for you when you envision the future of Web3? Like in your ideal utopian scenario of Web3, do you see trust to be the fundamental building block in, in any and every service that's offered? Or is that something else? Like where, what do you see as the future of this space? And uh, and what gives you hope for it?
1: So, not sure if I fully understood the question so are you saying do I believe that like trust um I guess yeah would you mind like maybe yeah like, just no no
0: definitely reframing right. the question um, I, yeah so I guess um so, so the, the, like, it's just like the rationale for this question is based on trust, right? So right now, as you said, that there's a degree of trust that's necessitated in, in like a Web3 community. And I think it's also some people are making the, the argument that it's also improving the level of trust that people have between each other, because, you know, it's all decentralized, it's on chain, it's all recorded. But do you th- like in your future, in your ideal utopian scenario of Web3 in the future, right? And this is not just in the near term, but in the long term. Uh, where a lot more people are using it. Um, do you see trust as still being like that fundamental building block of Web3 or is it something else? And also after that, what gives you hope to like keep engaging with Web3 or like being a part of the community?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that the, to answer the second part, I think right now what keeps me like so optimistic and inspired by Web3 is just, um, the values it holds, and like the the idea of wanting to create just more opportunity for economic empowerment, more opportunity for creative freedom for artists and creators, um, helping bring people together in a way that's like you know authentic and and feels more one to one and real. I think it just kind of is you know the pendulum swinging back um, a little bit away from a world where you know, these social platforms, they did connect everyone, but they also did so in a way that, you know, the feed is this algorithmically driven thing that controls, you know, one's interactions, what somebody gets exposed to. And, you know, it doesn't feel particularly like human or, or, um, or authentic in terms of just like connecting one-on-one with people. But collecting an artist's work and then getting to meet that person or getting to meet the other collectors in like a a small community of like, you know, loyalists and and true fans. I think there is something that just feels really, really great about that. Um, And so I think that part of what keeps me excited is um, just the potential that Web3 has to really... Improve everyone's outcomes. So it's, you know, for creators, but also for the fans of creators. I think that, you know, product builders and platforms can still achieve, you know, tremendous success. And you see that, at least you see some evidence of that by the way that VCs are investing in Web3 right now. Yeah. Um, and so oh, yeah. I think there is a world where it's able to solve a lot of the key, um, just shortcomings of Web2 um, in a way that will allow more artistic expression, more art to get created and people to like just live happier lives. I think that's like, you know, the rosy, the rosy glasses view. Um, I think when it comes to the fundamental building block, I would say that um, I don't I don't know if I would say that it's trust. Um, I think ownership is like what I sort of think of as being mm-hmm. like the most important aspect of Web3, um, which is this idea that you're sharing value with the people who um, and you're doing so in a way that, um, you know, yeah, maybe has a short-term negative impact to you as um, the like founder, but you're doing it in a way that like should result in better long-term outcomes for for everyone involved. And I think that's like a really powerful idea. And I think that ownership is really what has led to a lot of the economic inequality um, that we've seen kind of in the modern day. Is like you've got this, you know, very very stark contrast between labor and capital. Um, it is, you know, you make more money just by holding money than you do by working. Um, And there's a lot of people who are really exploited in that system who are creating lots of value and and unable to um, capture any of it. So I think like that is all possible with Web3, but it's by no means a given that that's going to be the outcome. And I think Web3 also has some like trade-offs and there's some downsides as well that we're all still navigating. And so you know i think that the future is being built right now um and so i i remain you know optimistic but i'm certainly not um i'm certainly not like sold that we are, are definitely um gonna create better outcomes i think that it's like up to all the builders the creators and, and the people who are creating this new future in web3 to determine mm-hmm. you know are we able to create those better outcomes um mm-hmm. so that was a rambly answer to your question, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a really hard question to answer because Web three also is so broad and means so many things to so many people um I know, but right? yeah
0: it's it's i mean it's in it's in its nascency right now i was I was looking at like there's this innovation hype cycle curve, and Web three has not even reached that peak of you know disillusionment where everyone is talking about it. you know it's still in the early adopter cycle for so many of such projects, um but it gives me hope for the future, you know like as as someone who loves you know, inefficiencies to be solved. Um, I think this is this is a perfect as as I said before, just like a perfect part to fit in the jigsaw puzzle of things in the world. Um I I guess just as a follow-up, um do you see the notion of money uh and like the the store of value or the mode of exchange that it currently is changing in this whole wave of decentralization of digital assets of holding and storing you know there's so many avenues right now which are um i mean all of them have a monetary value but do you see the money like money itself which is the fundamental building block of economics like changing due to web3 like do you think that's a possibility if so how would that happen Mm, um. I mean, I don't think that it
1: changes from. I guess I. W- I would maybe say no. Um. It's like the short answer. Like I think the form factor. You know, maybe changes, and the fact that um you don't need as many central um authorities to enable money to work. I think like that is a- an important idea um and distinction. But I-, I think that the way that people view it value it use it i think like the currency itself might change but i don't think like the core ideas behind money necessarily change um right. i'm not sure if there was like something like you know more specific that you're getting at with the question oh. but yeah i don't know i feel like uh maybe not here
0: yeah no definitely so i mean i was just thinking you know thinking out loud here but i, I was wondering like so ideally if in the future everyone holds cryptocurrencies, right? And that's probably what everyone even uses to transact. So if it goes beyond just a volatile um, you know, measure of, of transacting against money or, or in exchange for money, what if it becomes like the the fundamental like block? So like instead of using You know, like, when I actually have to pay my taxes, I have to convert my Ethereum and liquidate it. Instead of that, what if I could just, like, buy goods that I buy in, like, a regular fashion with US dollars with Ethereum? Like, in that sense, do you think money could then, like, the value of money could then be um maybe not removed but essentially reduced because you would have an overlapping layer of of, let's say if everyone holds cryptocurrencies and using them to transact for goods and services um that is what i was thinking but i'm not sure if that might be an ideal scenario or whether that would even work but yeah that's that's what i was thinking right now
1: (laughs) well okay so i mean i guess ask that way i still think like you know largely we'll probably want a few currencies that um are kind of the liquidity backing of all the others and you already do see that so like you know there's thousands and thousands i mean i don't know how many unique erc20 tokens exist out there but the like overwhelming majority of liquidity pools on uniswap are eth pairs
0: because it turns
1: out that like just using eth as like the denomination of like all these other tokens is just a lot more efficient than trying to like Enable swaps between two low liquidity assets. So, mm-hmm. I do think that, like in the same way that offline, it's like it's too hard to have a barter system where people are exchanging like illiquid, you know, um, uh, things that have hard to measure value directly mm-hmm. for one another. So instead, you use like you know money um, as the currency of exchange. I think that also still applies in in Web three they're probably because you have 24 seven markets and like these things are all assets and whatnot. There probably is better price discovery and better liquidity in general. So maybe on the margins, there's more times when you can swap directly, um, you know, without the need for money as kind of the um, um, exchange um, vehicle. But I, I mean, I think that so far we have still seen that, you know, ETH serves as money for the Ethereum blockchain, Um, Sol serves as like money for the Solana blockchain Um, but I think they still do fill very important roles and if you take ETH out I think the liquidity for everything on the Ethereum blockchain like goes down dramatically so I think you still need money Um, I do think that um, it will transform finance and so like the amount of people who have access to financial services the amount of people who have access to just like really to um to value like to um assets with appreciating value and to like just attractive yields. I think there's a lot of things that it is transforming around like the idea of finance and kind of uh-huh. um these systems of money. But I, I think money is probably, you know, just as important
0: as it was. Yeah. So I guess like a backup liquidity um resource. Um that's, yeah, that, that's, that is, um, that's a great thought. And I think um it would be, a, you know, just a good way to pivot to my final question. Um, You know, it, it's been a, an amazing conversation with you, you know, learning all about Web3 and what the space is going to look like in the future. Um, what is maybe some of your, you know, tips, suggestions, advice um, for the, uh, like, you know, my generation or, or people who are still, you know, in, in school learning about the space who are still, you know, um, Romanticized with the idea of web 2 like you know what would make you tell them that would you know bring them onto web 3 you know maybe citing some of your own past experiences because you've also done some fellowships with vcs um yeah just just leaving it out there hmm.
1: well I, I definitely think we're we're probably the same generation um <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah. but I mean, if you
0: older, Matt, you're not
1: <laughs> yeah 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 um but i mean I don't know. I don't know if I would like go to a campus and you know advocate that everyone needs to join Web three or anything like that. Um, I think that you are seeing it resonate extremely strongly with our generation, and you know a lot of students are finding their ways to uh, you know finding their way down the rabbit hole without any persuading at all. So I think there's something that's just very attractive and compelling about the movement that's going on in Web three, which appeals especially to you know, younger folks and, and people who are joining the workforce now and um you know or or preparing to soon. So I wouldn't necessarily like go try and convince or persuade that everyone needs to participate at this stage. Um, but I do think that it presents a a real um substantial opportunity for people who are who are excited about Web3 and who want to you know have impact and change the world because it just It's starting to increase in its inevitability, um, but there still are so, so many big opportunities. Like there are very few products in the space that you can point to and be like, oh, I believe that that is the final form of this idea. It's like, this is, you know, this is the the product um, that fully realizes the potential of this idea. You don't really see that. It's still a lot of MVPs, a lot of early experiments, a lot of iterating and learning. Um, And so I think it creates this, immensely vast design space, which I think is extremely, um, it's extremely fun, um, and like intellectually stimulating to participate in. It's also extremely multidimensional. So you're touching everything from like, um, you know, finance and technology to like sociology and behavioral science and, you know, incentive design, and it just touches like everything um, in a way that I find it to be really interesting for at least my mind. Um, And so I think for people who are naturally drawn to it, it it presents like really great opportunities, but um, I think it's still early and, you know, I I think everyone kind of finds their path. And uh, I eventually imagine that everyone will use Web3 in some way, whether they know it or not. Um, But I do think that a lot of what currently is exposed to end consumers will be abstracted away um, before it really, you know, reaches mainstream. So I don't think that you're going to need to understand deeply how, blockchain technology works in order to to get the benefits of it but if you are joining at this stage then you you know likely will and so um i think we're at a stage that will favor the early adopters and the, the experimenters um and i think you know that's for a lot of people and it's not for everyone so
0: oh yeah that's true since um, there but no i mean um i think this was this was great thank you so much for taking out the time to do this and uh, yeah like Check out Bonfire, check out, you know, Web3. Get amazed and fascinated by the possibilities that it offers. And I'll see you in the next episode of the NP Studio.